good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see all of you here. And once again, if you're our guest or if you're watching online for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And we are glad that you're with us here as we're in the second week of this series called The Art of Neighboring. And we're talking about this idea of being a good neighbor. And before we jump into the message, I just want to challenge you once again with this thought. As Sarah mentioned, Easter is coming. And it is going to be a great time as we continue to reach out to new families, people that are maybe disconnected from church that are going to be coming. And we need your help. Okay, so we need exactly what you have, your beautiful smiling face on Easter Sunday morning. And I want to challenge you, if you're not part of a team, this is a great opportunity, this one time to jump in on a team and help us because we want to roll out the red carpet. And for people that are coming to church for the first time, and it already may be difficult for them to get out and and kind of drag themselves to church, we want to make it a great experience. So whether it's in the parking lot, smiling at people, helping individuals find their seat here in this room, if it's helping new families that don't know where their kids go, find their way to the kids' classrooms, we all want to do our very best to serve. And so I want to challenge you to come to one of the earlier services and then to serve at either the 930 or the 1115 and to make it a great experience for someone else. And so we want to do that. We need your gifts. We need your talents. And so if you have not already, make sure that you sign up. You can email, go to the website and let us know that you're available to serve on that day and help as more people come and hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Well, as I said, we're in our second week of this, The Art of Neighboring series, and we're talking about this idea of being a good neighbor. And so we kicked off last week with just mentioning, you know what, we are surrounded by connections. It was crazy because this week our teenage daughter was in California, but I could talk to her and see her every day through FaceTime and and make that connection. I mean, it's really amazing what technology affords us, even though we're constantly surrounded, sometimes we don't think about it. From our friends on Facebook to people that follow you on Snapchat or Instagram, we're constantly, there are connections and people right there around us, but many times we're isolated from the people that are closest to us from those that God has placed right next to us, that we live right next to, many times we're not making those connections. And so we're spending these few weeks talking about how do we know, how do we love, how do we serve our neighbor? And we kicked it off last week with just starting at that first one. What if we got to know the people around us? What if we took time and we learned the names, we learned a little bit about those that lived right next door to us, and we took time to invest in their life. And so that's where we started. And last week, if you weren't here, we gave out these little maps. Maybe you guys can't see them, but we put your house right there in the middle. You are here, and we challenge you to get out and to know your neighbors. And so I did this this past week. I was more intentional. I had my kids play out in the front yard. I was on the driveway, was able to have some conversations with our next door neighbor and a retired couple that lives across the street. That's what we want you to do just to get out. And maybe you didn't do this this past week. Grab one of these. They're back at the resource center. But we want to start there. What if we just knew the people around us? What if we took that first step to get to know their names and to begin there of being a good neighbor and practicing that art of neighboring. And today we're going to take it one step further and we're going to look at this same story that we talked about last week, the story of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to look at how do we love those that God has placed in our life? With those that are right there around you, how do you demonstrate the love of Christ to them? And I want to start just by sharing a story um, that we're going to see 
in this, in this passage that we're going to read and a little bit of what God, I believe, wants to challenge us with this idea of loving our neighbor. Whenever we were first getting into ministry, we were youth pastors in a small town called Pittsfield, Illinois. It was a really tiny town out in the middle of a cornfield. There wasn't a lot around it. We were just youth pastors there. We had only been at the church for a couple of weeks. And so we were trying to get to know the middle school and the high school students. So one night we did this big game night at a leader's house and we were doing all of these different games and we were ending it with a chalk walk. I don't know if you've ever done a chalk walk, but um, it's basically kind of like a scavenger hunt. You're following directions that are written on the sidewalk to tell you where to go. And, and sometimes there's some tricky stuff. There's two ways and you have to decide which way to go. And so I was in charge of doing this. I was running out ahead of the groups while they were breaking up into teams and I was riding on the sidewalk. I was making arrows and then I would put wrong way, go back to the last arrow and you know, you'd have to take the other directions, wrong turn, dead end or whatever. And so I'm running all over the town trying to get get the students eventually to McDonald's where they win this happy meal for everyone on the winning team. And I'm running past the hospital. There was a tiny little community hospital and I go behind the hospital and I'd made these arrows and I make a line and I write dead end. Probably need to pause here in the story and let you know, Pittsfield is a tiny town. It's not very diverse. I'm the only person in that town, I believe at that point, that's not white. Okay. And someone saw me from the hospital window this dark looking individual running across the road, riding dead end, and they call the police and say there's been a terrorist attack. Okay, someone has threatened the hospital. I don't know why, this is before 9-11, why they thought not LA, not New York, not Chicago, but the tiny town of Pittsfield, that's where they're gonna attack America at. I don't know why, but they call it in and they say, we've gotten some viable threat against the hospital, someone's gonna plan to blow it up because I wrote dead end on the sidewalk. And thankfully, one of our board members was a police officer, Officer Grogan, and he said, hey, I think I know what's going on. And he tracked me down. We had a great laugh. Thankfully, I didn't get interrogated or brought in. Everything worked out. But I was thinking about that, you know, that simple situation. And we're going to see in the story today of how many times when we don't know, when we don't love those people that God has placed close to us, it can cause issues. It can cause division in our lives. And so I want us to look at this Bible story again. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37 and I want you to turn there in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. There's this Bible in the seat in front of you. It looks just like this. And you can turn to page 506. And I want to encourage you to do that, either to take out your smartphone and open up a Bible app or grab that Bible and read along with this page 506 as we look at this story. And we want to kind of catch up with what's going on here. And there's, once again, there's four people in this story that we want to know about. The first is Jesus. This is God's son. And he's come to demonstrate the love of God, to tell us how we love God and how we love others. And then you have this religious, these religious people, and we're going to see this in the story. These religious individuals, they're more concerned with looking right than with doing what's right. And they want everyone to see how religious they are, everyone to take notice of them, but they struggle in actually applying the word of God. We're going to see that. And then you have this general crowd, the general audience, the, the Jewish people that Jesus is teaching and that he's talking to. And then you have one more group in this story, and this is the Samaritans. And if you weren't here last week, the Samaritans are hated by the Jewish people. They're despised. They're looked down on simply because of their race. And this is going to play into the story that we're reading. And so we pick up Luke chapter 10, verse 25. This is what it says. 
And behold, a lawyer, this was one of the religious people, stood up to put Jesus to the test. And he said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him and had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will pay back when I come this way. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer responded, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. What's going on in this story? There's once again this religious person. He wants to look right. He wants to be seen by everyone in the story. And so he asks, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns the question on him and says, hey, what do you read? What does the scripture say? What does the law of God talk about? And he knew that. And he said, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, everything inside of you, and love your neighbor as yourself. And it's crazy as I started to look at this again, this was not some new revelation, okay? This was not some new teaching. The crowd was not amazed when this man stood up and said this and whenever they were having this discussion. This is something that the people of God knew for hundreds, if not thousands of years at this point, that the greatest commandment was to love God with everything inside of you and to love your neighbor as yourself, but they still were not getting it. This person that knew the law, he was not getting it. He was still struggling with this idea of loving his neighbor as himself. Galatians chapter 5 verse 14, it talks about this and it says, all of the prophets, all of the law can be summed up in this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to just get this. What they're saying is the time, the part of the Bible that's before Jesus came here. This amount of the Bible right here, more than half of the Bible God could have literally summed this up. He could have written this, all the law and the prophets in this simple phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything inside of you. Love your neighbor as yourself. So why does God have to write all of this? It's because we don't get it, you guys. We're like those people. We still struggle, right? So God has to repeat it over and over again. He has to spell it out, every bit of the law in minute details. Here's how you treat your neighbor. Here's how you treat someone differently. Here's how you love the people around you. Here's how you respect one another. Don't steal from each other. Don't kill one another. Don't commit it to all of these things that he has to write in this is simply because we don't get it many times. We miss it. This simple command, love your neighbor as yourself. We're like the religious person. We're good at saying the right things and making ourselves look good. So many times we miss it. And so God has to write all of this down for us because we struggle in living this out. We struggle in actually applying this to our lives in loving those that God has placed right around us. And so 
that's where we start today, just with this simple truth. Are you loving those right around you? Right next to you, are you loving those people? Are you more concerned with their life and their needs just as you are with your own? Do you put their needs maybe in front of your own at times? Or because we're a selfish people. I mean, we live in a very me culture, a very me-centered world around us. Everything revolves around us. And many times we don't see those that are hurting, those that are in need, or people even that just live right next to us those that live down the street from us. And so we said, what if we just started there? What if we started by loving our neighbor, by loving, as we talked about earlier, the person that plays their music too loud or that leaves their Christmas lights up too long and and you just got to know that individual and you demonstrated love in their life because of how Christ has loved you. That's what Jesus is trying to get across here. And he makes it very simple. He says, let me tell you a story because if all of these pages and all of these chapters didn't convey it, let me make it really simple who I'm calling you to love. It's the person that's right there. The person that you see in need right down the street from you. That's who you're challenged to love. And that's the question that we have. Are we loving those individuals, those that are right around us, those that we're passing by? Now, in case you're sitting here and you're thinking, wait, Pastor Aaron, this sounds a lot like the message last week. Yes, it does. Because this is what I read this week. I I discovered this, that whenever you hear something, whether you've heard it before, whether it's some new information, you have 24 hours. And within about 24 hours, you're either going to remember or you're going to forget it. And 50%, there's a 50% chance you're going to forget it. And with internet and cat videos on YouTube, our attention span's even lower, okay? So let's just be honest. There's probably a higher chance you're not going to remember this message next week, right? So it's not all going to be there. After two weeks, there's less than a 20% chance you're going to remember it. 80% chance you're going to forget what we talked about. You're not going to remember it. But once you hear something repeated either three or four times, that percentage jumps back up, Okay. So some of you didn't even know that I started by preaching about the same message that we talked about last week because you've forgotten, but we need to hear this over and over and over again. God knew this. He's challenging us with this. We're talking about this idea of loving our neighbor. Why? Because once again, it's so easy many times to sit here and to know the truth of God's word and never apply it to our life. To never actually show concern or care for those that have lived next to you three, five, 10 years, and you struggle to remember their name. And yet one of the greatest things that God's word says is, hey, I'm challenging you to love the people around you. What he said in all of these pages, love and be concerned with everyone that I have placed in your life, those that live near to you, those that are right around you, your neighbor, demonstrate my love to them. I love how Mark Twain said it, this old um, American author, he said it like this. He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. He said, it's not the things that maybe seem a little confusing that I worry about the most. It's the simple truth of God's word. It's the things that are very clear. I worry about them because he knew, you know what? That's what we struggle to live out. And I think as churchy people sometimes and Christians, we want all of these secret revelations of God. We want these deep mysteries, right? We want to understand the difficult parts of the Bible. And I think sometimes God's saying, can you just get the basics down, church? 
Can you just do the simple things that I've told you to? Can you just live this out in your life and go and love those that I've placed so near to you before you try to understand all of these deep things of heaven? Can you practice the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself? That's what I'm asking you to do. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across in this story. Can you love those that I've placed right around you? And what we do so many times is we make excuses. How do I know that guy didn't deserve to get beat up, right? Maybe he did something really bad. Maybe that's why he's there. Maybe that's why he's injured. And so we make these excuses instead of actually going and practicing love. We give ourselves the way out. That's what this lawyer did. He wanted to justify himself. He wanted the way out instead of loving those. And God didn't say, hey, just love the people around you that are easy to love. He just said, love the people that are around you. Love those that are near to you. Love your neighbor. That's who I'm calling you to love. And so instead of making excuses, we're called to just demonstrate that. Go and do likewise. Put that to practice inside of your life. And for some of us, we don't even have to walk out the door, do we? I mean, it's that person that we live with, right? It's our spouse. It's, It's that individual. They're the ones that frustrate us. Husbands, wives, I'm talking to you right now, right? The pet peeves, right? They leave the toothpaste off of the cap off of the toothpaste. They leave their clothes everywhere. You've talked to, right? That's where the frustration starts. And for some of us, we need to just start there. If you're a parent, your kids have been off for spring break. Man, this is a great message for you this week, right? Because our kids frustrate us. They don't listen. They don't do what we're telling them to. We've told them a whole bunch of times. And maybe loving our neighbor just starts in our own household of saying, God, I want to show compassion. I want to show kindness to those that you've placed near to me, to those that you've placed right there in my life. And they're, they're close to me. That's who you're calling me to love. And what I see is doing so many times, church, is is we kind of give lip service to this. We do a little token act, but we don't really live out what God is challenging us to do. I see so many individuals and and we see natural disasters. We see um, devastation around the world, hurricanes and and earthquakes, and we feel compelled. And that's a great thing, right? So what do we do? We get on our phone, we go online and we give five or $10. We give ourselves a little pat on the back. I am loving my neighbor. And yet, although we can give a few dollars to someone across the world, we can't be bothered to walk across the street and learn someone's name. And we think that's loving our neighbor, that I can do something for some stranger I'll never know, I'll never really see, and that's great, we wanna be generous people, but I don't have the common decency to ask to the person that lives next to me, what are the needs in their life or if there's anything that I can do to help them? You guys, I think we're missing the simple commandment of loving those that God has placed right around us to live out what God's word is challenging, what this story that those that you pass by right on the road, that you're called to demonstrate compassion and kindness, that you're called to love them. That's what we should be doing. That means that family member that's betrayed you, that friend that's gossiped about you, you are called to love them. Even when they frustrate you, even when they're difficult to love, you are called to love those people. That's what God's word is saying. We don't get an out because it's hard. We don't get an out because someone's hurt us. We are challenged to love those that are difficult in our life. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I don't know if I have that kind of love inside of me. Let me give you just a real practical example of where to start. You start by praying for them. That's what you do. Is in your personal time when you're talking with Jesus, you begin to pray for that person. 
God, why don't they mow their lawn? It's so easy. Everyone else on the block does it. Lord, help them. So whatever that prayer needs to look like, why does that person always say the wrong thing in that staff meeting or when we're in the office or at the workplace? It, it seems like, man, they're so negative. You begin by just praying for them. God, I'm asking for your grace in their life. I don't know where they're hurting, God. I don't know what's broken inside of them, but Lord, I'm asking that you would do something. And here's what I know. If someone's frustrating you and you begin to pray for them, two things are gonna happen. Either you're gonna stop praying or you're gonna start loving. You're either gonna stop praying or you're gonna start loving because this is what takes place. You begin to get close to Christ. You begin to talk to God about them. You get close to who he is and all of a sudden your life begins to reflect his character, his nature. God loves them. They frustrate you, but God does love them and you get close enough to God and that love begins to flow through your life. That's why you pray for them. You begin to bring that need to who God is and to Christ. And all of a sudden, his love begins to flow through you. You're called to love those that are right around you, those that are right next to you. That's what God is challenging you to do. Can I give you this other insight that I saw in this passage? It's that you and I were called to love those who may hate you. We're called to love those who may hate us, those individuals who may not like us, what we find in this story about being a good neighbor is Jesus opens up this conversation about racism, about hate that they didn't even think they were getting into. Jesus begins to address this issue that's not a new issue that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands of years, and he brings it right to the front. The Samaritan, the person that the Jewish individuals despised, he was not supposed to be the hero in this story. This is not the person that you rally for that's the champion and that you're like, yes, they did the right thing. This is the one that everyone hated. And of course, you would think the priest, the Levite, right? The religious person, they're Jewish. And so they're going to look and they're going to meet this man's need. But it's not. It's the person that everyone in that audience probably hated and despised, once again, simply because of their race, simply because at some point, one of their ancestors married an Assyrian or a Babylonian individual, and now they were despised by the nation of Israel. And this Samaritan doesn't go and roll over the man and say, oh no, he's a Jewish individual, I'm gonna leave him there. He takes care of his needs. He goes out of his way to someone that probably would have wronged him, to someone that probably had hurt him or someone that probably hated him, and it's that individual who's difficult to love that he demonstrates God's love on. And Jesus begins to expose an issue in the people's heart that are listening to him that day of, hey, if you wanna be a good neighbor, you can't allow hatred to take over your life. You can't allow hatred to be present in your life. This is what he says in another passage, Matthew chapter five, verse 43, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father in heaven. If you want to know how to be a child of God, you demonstrate God's love to those people that are difficult to love. You demonstrate the love of God to people that may even hate you. This week, I was sitting in my living room. My kids were playing with toys, and a few of them were at the kitchen table, and I was listening to a podcast. It was a podcast on court cases and Supreme Court cases, and it was really interesting, and I didn't really think you know, that my kids were in the room, and, and Jaron, one of our little guys, was listening. And it was, in this court case, they were dealing with 
racial injustice and they were dealing with police shootings and some of these things that were happening and, and trying to analyze them from the court case. And Jaron came up and he started to ask me questions about it. Hey, dad, why is this happening? Why is this police officer in court? What's going on here? Why are they saying this you know, about these individuals? And I found myself as someone who gets paid for a living to talk, I really didn't have a whole lot to say. It was so difficult to try to explain to Jaron at 10 years old what's going on in the brokenness that we see in the world. I must have given him some good explanation that curved his curiosity because he went back to playing with his toys. And I sat there on the couch and I just started to cry, you guys. Because I thought we live in a broken world and I live in a world where I have to explain to my 10-year-old son that there are some people, because of the color of their skin, they have to be scared to go outside. And I'm not okay with that, you guys. I'm not okay living in a nation, and we should not be okay as a church, that anyone, based off of their nationality, based off of their background, should have to live with fear in their heart, that they're somehow going to be targeted or exploited. That's not okay. And in that same breath, I'm dealing with the difficulty that those that deserve honor and respect, those that serve and lay down their life and, and every day they're going out to protect us, that they would somehow be targeted and misjudged when, when that's not the case. And I realize that just those from different nationalities, they're both good and bad and there are those in every occupation that are good and bad, but it just stinks, you guys, that we live in a world that's broken. And I sat there crying once again, thinking, God, we've got to do better as the church. And I want to say this again, church, we oppose injustice no matter where we find it. We are not okay with that no matter where we see it. We speak out against injustice. That's what Jesus is saying. You thought the hero was the person that was like you, but it's actually the person that you've been hating. That's the one that God's called you to love. That's the one that's your neighbor. That's the one that you sacrifice for. That's the one that you show compassion for. The person that's different from you, that's the individual that you give your life for. You want to know what it looks like to love your neighbor? It's not easy. But it's that commandment that God has given us to love those that are right around us. I love how the book of John says, 1 John chapter 4, this is how God says it. He says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 